Today, we are uh, thinking about ministry. Uh, recently, we were at an event and had uh, asked the question, hey, what are some questions that you have for us, especially if you're a minister? And uh, we got a great question from somebody who said, well, what do you, what do you recommend? Um, what, are some, what is some advice that you would give for somebody who's just starting out in ministry? And uh, that started a good um, brainstorming session for us, and we came up with several topics. So today is going to be kind of an um, overview from 30,000 feet of uh, some ideas of where we want to go. And then we'll go back and we'll, we'll rehash all these and, and get a little bit more detail. So Yeah, and some of those things that we're going to be talking about today are some things that we may have already covered a little bit, but we were, we're going to unpack those a little bit more in, in some other uh, broadcasts or podcasts, I guess. But um, some of the things that, that got my attention uh, about going into the ministry, especially when you're starting out brand new, you have no idea exactly what you're going to do or the direction you want to go. You have experience somewhere along the way because you were either in the ministry or you've been in a church and you're familiar with the way things should go. But one of the things that you're going to learn about ministry is there's no set pattern, there's no set book that you can open up and say, do one, two, three. Now, there are some principles that you're going to follow, but the reality of it is each environment's totally different. What works at one church doesn't work with another church. We were talking to a youth pastor just recently who moved to a new church. His old church that he was at is, by his own words, he said he was pretty spoiled. He had this, he had that, he had the other. But God being God has moved him into a new location, and he doesn't have any of those things. So he's going to have to rebuild. So it's almost like he's back into youth ministry 101 all over again. So if I'm beginning in ministry, and this this sounds so cliche, but, but I, you have to say it because if you don't, people say, you didn't say it. It does start with prayer. Um, I can tell you that one of my positions in prayer, and Matt and I were talking about this, and it's one of the luxuries of having your son with you in various ministry capacities, was one of the churches that we were in, uh, I've been called to be the minister of youth and some educational responsibilities as well. And I remember calling Matt, uh, a couple of men from the church, one of the ladies of our church that was over the children's ministry. I said, please meet me in this conference room for about an hour. And everyone come in, and Matt, you'll remember. And I Mm -hmm. said, I want everyone to pray for me because I have no idea the direction we're going. I need the vision. I need the direction. And it does begin with prayer. And each one from the senior adult to the adult to the children's, and Matt represented the youth at that time, prayed for me that I might seek God and seek his face and seek his vision in the direction that God would have versus me. Because if we begin this ministry without prayer, what I think we're going to run into then is building our kingdom mm. instead of building his kingdom. You're exactly right. If we don't start with prayer, you might as well come up with a business model. Absolutely. And that's going to be the exact same thing. You could, And you can come up with a business model. But the difference is this is not a business. You are getting paid. You are dealing with people's money. You are dealing with relationships in a business-like setting. But it is a completely different animal. So if you don't start with prayer, if you don't start with the Word of God, if you don't start with your calling, the rest of it doesn't matter. 
And uh, so like we said, today we're going to be talking about some very practical things. Um, but as Dad just said, you have to start with prayer. Bathe everything with prayer. And that's not just uh, at the beginning of your ministry. That's the beginning of every day. That's the beginning of every meeting. That's the beginning of every event. Whether you do it publicly from the microphone, we, we also tend to, to get into this cliche of, all right, we're done. How do we close this? Let's pray. No, 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 no. Now you've just you, you've created... Um, uh, it's it's not the power of prayer anymore. Now it's just procedural. Yeah, and and, and pet peeve, confession time, and that's okay. I'll just I'm just who I am. Uh, I've been in meetings, and you have too, where that people will say something like this, and they say, "Well, let's say a little, a quick little prayer, so we can get started." <laughs> It drives me crazy because what you're saying is I have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of all matter for that matter, and I'm going to give him 15 to 20 seconds so I can do what's really important, which is a meeting. I would submit to you that many of us need to forget the meeting and spend that hour in prayer. Oh, man, that's good. (laughs) What would happen in our churches and our ministries if we spent more time in prayer and less time in meetings? What would happen if you started your meeting and God spoke, the Spirit of God falls, and he goes... Hey, abandon all your notes. We need to talk about something else. Ninety percent of us would be like, "I'm sorry, God. I have uh, an agenda. We have the minutes from last meeting." <laughs> well, absolutely. And what happens is prayer becomes that thing that we do because we're supposed to do it, yep. and it's almost an idol. It's almost like a good luck charm because now what you're saying is we can't do it unless we pray. We got to open prayer and close in prayer. But did we really pray, or was it just repeated words? Mm -hmm. So I think when you start your ministry, really learn how to pray. Make sure that you do a a set-aside time of prayer, seeking God, seeking His face, seeking His favor, being in God's Word. All those things have to be a part of it. Like I said, if we don't say prayer, there's going to be somebody go, well, you didn't talk about prayer. It's almost a given, but unfortunately in our culture today, we have to say it because people don't pray. Christians have gotten where they don't really pray. Along that line, as we get into these uh, this list, one of the things I, I want to go ahead and jump to, we're going to do these out of order because they're not in a priority. Um, when we These were just things that came to mind. So I want to talk about um, your time in Scripture first because it, it just segues straight from that prayer is you have to separate. There's two different types of study time. And you cannot, and this is this is a, a like we said, this is a topic where we can dive into this forever and and very deeply, even make it into a full series if you wanted to. That um, you have to make sure that your time in the Word is different than your time studying for an event or a message or a Bible study or a post or something like that. You have to start with. Um, you have to fill your cup first, and it has to come from the scripture. And so that's that's one of our first things we went. So we said, you know, prayer, and then also when it comes to study, there's two different types of study. Yeah, and I think that for us as ministers, one of the things that we get caught up in is when you're preaching on Sunday, if you're a youth minister and it's Wednesday night or Sunday night, or if you've got a small group, it seems like that meeting comes every two days. About the time you finish one, you have to put that up and get ready for the next one. So what we end up doing is we're studying the Word so we can make sure that we project a new lesson, a new topic, a new study for somebody else. And so what, what will go on is then our cup, our soul, our hearts are not being refilled by the power of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. 
So what really takes place in teaching is you fill up first and you teach from that overflow. So what happens for us in the ministry, true confession or anybody that's listening, you will tend to, to skip the time of your personal time with God and filling your cup, and you'll always be studying to teach somebody something else. When you do that, at the bottom of your cup is burnout. Because what you've done is you've given everything that you had stored up in your cup that God has blessed you with, but now you have nothing left to give and you burn out. So I I would recommend, and this is just me, and you can disagree, that's fine. I, I think you have to set aside a time to be with God and you guard that time. I tell everyone that if uh, a local uh, famous basketball coach, whom I don't even pull for, uh, was to call me and say, hey, Steve, I understand you've worked with youth for all these years. You, you've, you've done some radical stuff with student ministry. You've been on all these events. You've traveled to other countries. You've preached in, in four or five different countries. I want to meet with you at 6 o'clock in, at the Cracker Barrel, uh, t- an hour away from your home. Would you join me? Well, that'd be a great honor for me. Well, absolutely, I would meet you there. Even though I don't support that team or whether or not I like that coach, if I would get up and sacrifice sleep and time to meet a basketball coach, why would I not get up and sacrifice time to meet with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Not because I have to, because I get to. And I think you're exactly right. I was going to say time and place because you have to, and this is what you do, and this is something that I've noticed and um, over the years, even when I was a student in your ministry, is that your study time for yourself and your study time for the ministry were at two different locations at two different times. Your current uh, way of doing things is you get up before the sun, uh, you get up, what, 6, 5.30, 6 o'clock, and um, that has a full routine that he goes through every morning where it's he's got a, a devotional, he's got some scripture, he journals, and then he posts he's got, he does have a post but he's not doing this for the post um that's two different things but he has a post that he does that's like verse of the day and a devotional thought that comes after your devotion but you're not doing it with the thought of oh this will make a good, a good post you start out with lord fill me and then later on in your day and at specific times during the week okay now it's time for lesson prep. Yeah, and I think that that is you got to separate those two. When I do lesson prep, now I have the luxury of an office, so I go to my office and I make sure that I spend my time with the Lord there to do sermon prep or teaching or any of the other things I have to do that involves being at a church building. So I'll make sure that I spend that time there and I set it up and say, okay, from this time to this time, we're going to be working on a certain Bible study. We're going to be working on a on a mission trip. We're going to be working on a camp or whatever the case may be. Those studies could also include what I've been reading in the Word. But what I've been reading in the Word has been for me and my cup. But then when we set aside this other time to do the other study, that's for the ministry, a broader ministry. Because if you don't, you're going to be you're going to burn yourself out because you're not giving God time to refill you. And then also I think what we have to do is evaluate what we're doing by looking at does my quiet time meet my needs of filling my cup. Um, currently I'm going through a devotional. I've read the Bible through uh, seven, eight, nine times. I don't say that. You pat me on the back. It's just I feel like as ministers, we need to be in God's Word. And I've read it through different ways. So mm-hmm. I had to evaluate of going, okay, I'm going through the motions of reading the Bible now to be reading the Bible instead of filling my cup. So I went to a devotional for a short period of time 
to get somebody else's thought on a particular scripture, may or may not agree with it. That's okay. It's a devotional, but it prompts me then to have something to think about and talk about. So I highly recommend that you find a way. Right. That, and that causes a, a challenge to your thoughts. So it's not just, well, I've always thought this way, but to hear somebody else's and it sparks new new ideas for you. The next one um, I wanted to talk about is your family. Um, and we've... Um, continuing on from that because if you're at home and you're in your 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 spot you know you know what you're doing where you're doing but you've also got to think about your family you've got to talk about uh, as you're starting out in ministry being careful not to sacrifice your family for the uh for the sake of the ministry um not to um make your family bear all the burden you know, there there are very specific things that we'll talk about at another time. Where you're, you know, it's how much do you um, share? Um, that's very important. How much time do you spend in the evening? Um, how what what are your uh, and and that that goes into another another topic of time management, uh, which is another topic as well. Um, so family is very important. Um, you can't do ministry without your family. Even if you're single, there's still family dynamics that you have to deal with. Um, but especially if you have a wife, if you have children, you have to be very careful of um, missing out. There was a, there was a very good um, quote that you actually said yesterday. We were talking uh, from a, a good friend of yours in youth ministry, uh, talking about what his son said. Yeah, his son had made this statement, and it spoke to me very early in our ministry of youth ministry. And he said his son was coming from either the sixth or seventh grade, and he told his dad, he said, "Dad, I'm so excited that I'm going to be in the youth ministry because now you'll come to my ball games." Oh. You know, so what he was saying was, you spend all your time with everybody else, but you're not spending it with me. And it changed the way my friend did ministry at that point, but it had to have one of those awakening moments for him to get that with his family. And and I think for us as family, uh, I have a pastor who told me this. He said, you are a minister, but if you don't minister to your family first, you will lose your ministry. And that was a really Ebenezer moment for me, if you would, because it is something that I need to remember. I cannot sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry. And I know there's seasons of it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, if we're if we're in a summer season, I have we, we have vacation Bible school in, in my environment. I have a middle school camp. I have a high school camp. I have a mission trip, and usually they're all back to back. Well, that means my family's got to take it on the chin for a little while. But when I get back, it's all family. Put the phone up. Tell you know. Make sure the church knows. Take your vacation time. You got to spend time with family. So let's move on to time management, and I'm going to hand this one off to you because this is—I am the worst at. I should not ever be speaking to anyone else about time <laughs> management. I am now 40 years old, and my dad has—he has spoken to me many, many times on. All right, you really need to work on time management. So when we say time management, what do you mean? Well, what I mean by that is everybody has a to-do list. It would work so much better if we had a, a to-get-done list. Mm. Uh, everybody's got a lot of stuff to do in ministry, but what I mean by time management, and I think it's biblical, but the Bible says make the most of the, of the day, make the most of the time. And if you don't manage your time, somebody else will manage it for you. But I learned many, many years ago on how to manage my time, to make that list of things that I need to do. And out of that, what are the absolutely, positively have-to-get-done things for that day? Let's assume you have three of those things on your list of, of to-do. Of those three, which one, if you don't get done, you're going to be unemployed? Yeah. That's number one. That's the one you have to do first just because of the nature of it. And then work through those things. And when something else comes up, as it will, 
it goes on the list, but it doesn't always show up as first. Just because it's urgent, it may not even be the most important thing, even though it means the most urgent thing at the time. But you set your time, you set your calendar, you set those things. Obviously, you're going to have interruptions. Obviously, there's going to be things that come up. But the reality of it is you can be more productive if you will, if you will actually sit down, make this list, prioritize what needs to get done, walk through those things. And I promise you, you can even put on there in youth ministry, guys, I always say it this way, you can put on your to-do list, today I need to spend 30 minutes looking for videos for a sermon that I'm doing for youth ministry. So I put that on my list. I've got all these other things done. And for the next half hour, I'm sitting in my office watching video clips. That's not wasting time. That is time management and intentional management of my time to get the ministry done. Otherwise, I'm just going to be watching videos, be watching videos. Next thing you know, let's face it, an hour and a half goes by. I've wasted an hour and I have nothing to show for it. So manage your time, manage it with family, manage it in ministry, manage it into everything else you do. And there's lots of programs out there. I can talk more about that another time, but I recommend time management, especially when it comes to ministry. Another uh, very practical thing when it comes to the workplace, when it comes to time management, is your work boundaries and your work relationships. Uh, one of the things we've talked about and, and Dad and I have always talked about is that um, – you have to be careful. We, we've already used the term burnout before. That's always a very dangerous thing. And um, you have to be careful of uh, the number of events that you're going to be going to, uh, not only in the lives of students, but also in your church. You will have to be careful. And that's, again, we'll talk about that in more detail. Um, having a good team um, to support you and to take on a lot of responsibilities, um, saying no sometimes. There are times you can't say no, but you have to learn how to say no and uh, the other most important thing is you have to learn how to delegate. Uh, and it's now you may be in a in a ministry, especially just starting out. It may just be you, but that also doesn't mean that you have to literally pick up and carry the entire ministry on your shoulders indefinitely. Um, one of the most important things you can do is build that team, and that's that's one of the things you did when you came into your ministry. Um, as the one of the first things you did was okay. I got to build the adults that are going to help me pour into these students' lives. Yeah, it's funny. The first, uh, the first vacation Bible school that I was I, I had ever gone to, I was an adult in the ministry because I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I never went to vacation Bible school. I know people find that hard to believe, but that's true. So my first vacation Bible school, I'm in the ministry and I'm responsible for it. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Now I've seen it. I've seen other things, but now I'm responsible for it. So the first thing I did was I recruited a young lady who loved Vacation Bible School. She lived it, breathed it. She was excited about it. I put her in charge. How can I help you? Then she said, we need a team of this many. So I helped her put together a team. When the Vacation Bible School ran, I had nothing to do because I put good people in charge. I was a runner. What are the supplies? What do we need? Food or games or whatever. But putting a team around you will help you be more effective in ministry, even if it's just another person. Uh, I'll give an example. Back in the day, uh, I'm in a little church. I'm the youth pastor, and we have no youth. So that's, that's a great title. I got nowhere to go but up. By the time we left the church, we had 23 students in two or three years. But I had adults that would come up and say, I love what you're trying to do with the students. And they would hand me their gasoline credit card to pay for the gas for a trip. 
or they would have someone come up and give me a $50 bill, make sure the children get something to eat. Now, that was no receipts, no nothing attached. They gave me cash money. Now, that meant I had to be above board with it, and we were able to do ministry. So anytime I needed something, I made sure I talked to those people who had the same vision I had and got them on my team. And they were, they're never going to teach but they came alongside in ministry. So I think that that team, not always up front, not always a teacher, but when you have a team in their area of expertise, let them run with it. I've got a lady right now that says, hey, do you mind if I was to put together a fellowship for the youth on Sunday night? No, not at all. (laughs) What do you need? I'll take care of everything. Okay, I'll make sure we get the room. Why would I not release her for ministry? Put, you, put a good team around you. All right. So what about policy or consistency? Policy is one of those things where um, you've got to put things in place, not only to protect your ministry and yourself, but also to make sure that there is a consistent um, culture around your youth ministry. So, for instance, things like you require an application uh, for workers. You know, you're talking about surrounding your, yourself with good people is um, – And again, starting out, you may not think this way, but one of the most important things I ever learned when I was in ministry and in business is you have to think bigger than you are. You have to think of where you're going. Um, One of the the phrases that you often use is um, start with the end in mind and work backwards. And so with your ministry in mind, you may have five kids, but you can't set your ministry as if it has five kids. you got to think of it as 50. Or if you have 150 think 500. And as ridiculous as that sounds, but the reason why is because when it grows, when it gets to that point, you're not backpedaling and you're not stressing yourself out, carrying on more. You're back to square one where you're doing everything. So you got to think ahead. So for instance, when it comes to policies and applications to work in ministry, um, why is it that you do that? We've talked about this before that part of the reason you want to do that is because there's got to be a, there's got to be set expectations. Right. And not only expectations, then everybody knows where we're going. There's, it, it lowers the miscommunication. People want to work in student ministry, but they want to know what they're supposed to do. Like I said, the lady whose job, she does fellowships. She's not a teacher, but man, she can run fellowships. Okay. I keep her in her area of her expertise, but that's because I know who she is and, and we go through that process. The other thing happens when you, when you put those, put those things in writing, there's no miscommunication of what you didn't tell me that. Yes, I did. It was in writing and you signed it. And we did that so that everybody's on the same sheet of music. And when I say that everyone, uh, your mother, my wife, teaches in our uh, Sunday school environment and she teaches the girls class and she filled out the exact same form. And I want her to know the expectations. Now that's my wife, but at that moment, she's my youth worker. And I put a lot of other things in there and I'll talk more about some of the things that we've put in there. But we did that for consistency. So here's the thing. If you work in my youth ministry, you filled out an application. And it even starts out with a cover letter on there. If you go to work at McDonald's, if you go to work at Taco Bell, if you go to work at a fast food restaurant, if you go to work at a coffee shop, there's an application process. If we would do that for food and we do that for a job, why would we not do that for students in a student ministry? We get one shot at these students. Let's get adults that want to be there. Let's, let's quit running people down and just sticking them in there because we think they would be good with students. That's not a good way to do ministry. Right. That's that You're, you're literally asking for trouble because now you've got people that – and I've done this before where I've hired people before because I was desperate. Well, now I'm stuck. And I get to the point where it's like, 
I they're they're causing far more damage than they are good. But I I hired them because I needed somebody. Whenever you do that, you're asking for trouble down the road. So if you can set these policies in place ahead of time, you avoid a lot of heartache and a lot of uh, trouble later on. That's right. Uh, personally, you've got to really make sure that your character and your integrity are uh, – what's what's the term that we use? The scripture term we use is above reproach. Um, do not even uh, – what do we say? The appearance of evil even. And, and what we mean by that is you have to set standards for yourself, just like you have these policies in place that, that keep you from having to uh, backpedal or miscommunicate or whatever. If you make communication way in advance – and again, we'll talk more practically uh, in other episodes, but – for instance, you have to have a high moral and biblical standard. Now, you would think that goes without saying, but again, as we started out talking about prayer, you would think it goes without saying. It's not just, I am a Christian, I have been following Jesus, and I believe in the way that I should live my life, I need to live my life as a good Christian person. You have to set absolute, rock-solid, guardrail uh, moral standards that you will not compromise. Yeah, and and part of that process is if you if you set your boundaries and you've put together your policies, and 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 we'll just address one issue, and that is that I'm not alone with a student. If I'm alone with a student, it has to be in a public place such as a coffee shop or whatever, and there's a table between us. Uh, I make sure that in our office we make sure that there's always a, a window in the door or the door is open. If I'm meeting with a student, you say, well, what about confidentiality? There is confidentiality because people walk up to the door, see you're with someone, they can see inside, and we're having a conversation. But I'm not going to put myself in a compromising situation. I'll give you just a small example. We were doing a ministry thing at my church recently, and we had, I don't know, 60 students in this hallway. We're washing all these bowls and stuff for, for an empty bowls fundraiser for the church and uh, for the ministry. And one of our girls was taking the bowls to another location. So she had a little rolling cart, and there's an elevator in our church. It's just the way our environment is. She goes on the elevator, and I can ride the elevator with her, and we're only going up one floor. But I'm in an elevator with a 15-year-old girl. She pushes the button. I walked up the stairs and waited on her. That's not a big deal. But that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So you have to make sure that you have those those boundaries and things that nature. Because if you don't, and your your character and your integrity can be attacked that quickly, not only do you lose your ministry, but think about the damage it does to the students, to the families, to the church, to the kingdom. It's a lot bigger than us. You've got to make sure you set that out that way. Exactly. And it may be inconvenient. In fact, it is inconvenient. But the reason that you do that is because your inconvenience is not nearly as important as the work of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So what else we got here on our list? Well, I think on here, if you want your student ministry to be a certain way, such as you want your student ministry to be a praying ministry or one that shares the gospel, or in my in my case, one that stays in the Word, then you have to model that for your kids. I think Jesus did that. He modeled that for his disciples, and then he would say, come and go with me, and then he would send them out. And then they would do it on their own. So I think that if you want to have a spiritually deep youth ministry, you have to model that. I can't tell you just get to go witness. I have to take you with me. I have to show you how to do that. Let's walk through that together. Uh, if I want you to stay in the Word, if I want you to have a daily quiet time, they have to see me having a daily quiet time. They have to see my journal. They have to see my Bible. It's one thing for us as in the ministry and ministers in the, and to the church leadership to point people and we should, but we have to lead. 
we have to lead them in those regards. So the expectations must be there, but we also have to show it to them because if we don't show it to them, then we're in trouble. You're exactly right. As, as leaders, um, you cannot get behind and push. You have to be out front. Uh, and then the last thing that we just want to mention quickly is communication with staff. And that's one of my favorite phrases, and I use it with, in, in my line of work, and you've said it so many times, is you cannot over-communicate. You can over-inform. Oh, absolutely. You can over-inform. <laughs> there is such a thing as way too much information, but you can never over-communicate. I'd rather be told something or share something 10 times than not to be uh, to do that at all. And that comes from you know staff meetings. That comes from um, uh, memos or emails or, or group text or any sort of these apps. Like I said, you cannot over-communicate. You've got to be on the same page so you're all pulling in the same direction. Yeah, and I think from a staff standpoint, you know, when your your pastor or the your team you're working with, they don't have to know all the details of what you're doing. I, I, I tell my staff, okay, uh, it's summer season coming up. Everybody knows. Okay, Steve, we'll see you in three weeks. Now, that's a joke in – a little bit because they know I'll be there on a Sunday or whatever, but they also know they're not, they're not going to see much of me, but they know a month, two months, three months in advance that I'll be going to these camps. I'll be going to these mission trips. That way my pastor's not wondering, where is he? What's he doing? What's going on? No, we've communicated down the end. We have to be proactive instead of reactive. And with our staff, we support them. If we're not there supporting them, they need to know why. Uh, I moved into a, a church environment getting ready to unload the van, the trucks and stuff, and my pastor doesn't show up. Now, he didn't tell me he was coming, but I bring me a soft drink. Come on. But he wasn't there. And it hurt my feelings for a while. And then a few days later in our staff meeting, the pastor told me, he said, I just wanted you to know I wanted to help so badly, but I was involved in a car wreck a few years ago, and my back is so bad I can't do anything like that. Changed everything. If that had been said on the front end, then my animosity or my frustration or being upset or hurt that he wasn't there wouldn't have taken place. Great guy, love him, no problem. But I'm just saying we got to learn to communicate. You cannot over-communicate something. That's exactly right. So, again, this is just uh, this one was just an overview of uh, someone asked the question of, hey, what – uh, if I'm getting started in ministry, what are some things I need to focus on? That may seem overwhelming, that list. And we'll break them down one by one, and we'll talk about each each one of those when it comes to time management, communication with staff, family uh, boundaries, uh, time management, all that kind of stuff. Um, because what's important is to know that uh, your ministry doesn't happen by accident. You have to come into it with your eyes open, with a plan, with the end result in mind. If I want my students to A, then I have to do B, C, D, E, F, to get us to that point. So we're like we said, this is just kind of a an overview from 30,000 feet just to kind of know some topics to be looking at. And uh, here in the future, we're going to get into some more of these and get a little bit deeper into those. So thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Check out wewerethinking.org for more episodes or drop us a note to info at wewerethinking.org.